Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. We were at such a desperate place that Andrew, it was like life. It was just life that was coming from the television. And every area in our life has been turned right side up. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today I'm continuing to teach through a series that I've entitled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. And I tell you, this is a powerful teaching. It's a little frustrating for me to try and communicate this because I was making this point yesterday that I can't argue a person into this. It has to come by revelation. I don't know exactly why that is, but it seems like that, you know, I could argue, I could argue the point of healing, prosperity, deliverance. I could argue a person into a lot of things, paint them into a corner, and, and they could, even if they didn't want to believe it, if they just said, no, I'm going to stick with my traditions, they could at least see my point, understand what I'm saying, understand why I'm saying it, and they could come to that place. But did you know when it comes to grace, it's, I've tried to argue with people about this and you cannot make a person understand grace and how that God just loves us completely separate of our performance and how He gives things to us on an unearned, undeserved basis. Uh, it has to come by revelation. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This grace of God has to come by revelation. I'm just praying that the Lord is taking these programs and somehow or another causing that revelation to come unto you. You know, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, where Jesus, it says, He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's my prayer for you today is that you would just have the Holy Spirit supernaturally open up your understanding so that this revelation of grace and faith, the proper balance between them would come to you and that it would become clear. Oh, that's powerful. Let me take these passages out of Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a typical way that Paul would start his letters was talking about the grace of God. Everything that we receive has to be dependent upon the grace of God. He would start his letters with this. He would often end his letters with talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse embodies one of the points that I've been trying to get across, and that is that people have taken faith and they have defined faith as something you must do in order to get God to move. And we will come up with these statements about faith moves God. And I'm telling you, God isn't the one that needs to move. God's not stuck. Faith moves us. It moves the devil, but it does not move God. 
God moved of His own free will by grace and has provided everything before you and I existed. Over in John chapter 1, it talks about that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. And of His fullness have all we received. And grace for grace, or grace upon grace. The grace of God was communicated and released into this earth through Jesus. And that happened 2,000 years ago. Before you and I were ever born, God released grace through Jesus. So if you really understand this, that all grace and truth came by Jesus, well, then that means that it came before you and I existed, before we had a problem, before we had a chance to do anything right or wrong. It has nothing to do with your performance. Grace is unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. You don't deserve grace. And by grace, God hath already blessed us, is what this is saying. Now see again, the average Christian believes that faith is something you do to move God. They see faith like a pry bar. You know, if you got some heavy object, if you'll put a fulcrum there and then some kind of a pry bar underneath it, you can move that heavy object. And that's what most people see faith as, is a pry bar that I'm going to move God. I'm going to make God heal me. I'm going to make God release His power. That isn't faith at all. That's legalism. That's works. And the Bible discredits that. Nobody is ever going to be justified, declared righteous in the sight of God by your own good works. You have to come and receive it by faith in what God has done, not faith in what you're doing. And so this says we're already blessed, already blessed, already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And yet how many people are trying to get God to bless them? If God has already blessed you, then why are you trying to get God to bless you? It's because you don't believe that He's already done it. it. You aren't putting faith in God's grace. Many people believe that God is the great I can, that He can do anything, but they don't believe He's the great I am, that He's already done it. It is a present tense reality. It's already done. Many people believe that healing is available, and if they can just pray enough, if they can be holy enough, if they can study the Word enough, if they can do enough of this, then God will release it. But they don't believe that God has already healed them. And yet in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed." It's already been done. Jesus doesn't die for you. He doesn't take stripes on His back for you now. He did this 2,000 years ago. And when a person receives salvation is not when they actually, when Jesus saved them. He, he made the payment. He did everything that was necessary 2,000 years ago. And you are just reaching out and receiving what God has already provided. You know, here's an illustration of this. When I was a kid about eight years old. I was in the Baptist church and we had what they call vacation Bible school. And every summer we would have this week long thing where you would go and you would be, be in different groups and you would do, uh, you'd make things, crafts and stuff. They would teach Bible lessons and stuff. And in our church, we had about 600 kids at this vacation Bible school. Typically, 
I would sit at the very front of the church. My family, I mean, we were like skunks. You know, we went to church and we had our own pew. That was our pew. <laughs> Amen. I mean, nobody sat there. We were sitting right there on the front row. And, um, but because I was in this vacation Bible school and I was in this specific group of kids, they marched us in according to our classes. And I was sitting on the very back row of this church, 600 kids in that church. And a man stood up and he started giving an illustration of what salvation was like. And he took a dollar bill <laughs> out of his pocket. You know, I did this one time with a group of kids and I picked, I put up a dollar bill. People didn't, a kid didn't even want a dollar bill. I mean, that shows you inflation. It wasn't worth the effort. But boy, back when I was a kid, a dollar bill was a lot of money. I mean, I got a dollar allowance per week and that was a lot of money. It was more than any of my friends got. So a dollar was worth something. This man held this dollar bill up like this and he said, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And I mean, instantly there was just this crowd, 20 or 30 kids all around him jumping up and saying, I want it, I want it. And I thought of all of the times to be on the back row of this church auditorium, I said, man, what a bummer. And he just ignored him. He kept his hand up in the air like this. And he said, I'll give, this first, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And everybody was wondering, what's wrong with him? Every one of those kids wants it. They were all asking for it. What's he doing? And he just it kept ignoring them and repeating this. I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And finally, it hit my lightning fast mind what this guy was saying. And I mean, I got out of my seat. I ran down the aisle. I pushed my way through those kids. And this guy had his arm up in the air like this. And I, I was, you know, small. I reached up and grabbed his arm and just climbed up his side. And I reached up there and grabbed that dollar bill out of his hand. And I took it. And he looked and he said, every one of you wanted this, but only one kid came up here and took it. And see, he was using that to illustrate the way salvation is. The, the offer was to whoever. It wasn't based on any goodness. It was to anybody. It'll, he would give it to the first person that came up and took it, but you had to reach out and take it. They wanted it. They expressed their desire for it, but nobody took it until I went up and took it. And see, that's an illustration of the way salvation is. God has provided salvation. When a person gets born again, they do not have to pray and say, Oh God, would you please forgive me of my sins? See, we will often tell people that and say, You just need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. No, not really. Because He's already done it. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for our sins 2,000 years ago. He isn't dying for people's sins today. It's already done. Salvation has already been provided. Somebody thinks, now how could God forgive my sins before I committed them? I don't know how God does this, but He only died for sins one time 2,000 years ago, Jesus is not going to die for your sins today. He's not going to die for anybody's sins tomorrow. He already did it, and He took the sins of all time past to all time future, and He put all of the sin of the entire human race into Jesus, into His physical body. I've already quoted that scripture out of 1 
Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. He did it. God put our sins, even though we hadn't even been born, even though we hadn't done it, even the sins that are going to be in the future. If the Lord tarries another 20, 30, 100 years, all of those sins are going to be, they were already placed upon Jesus. It's not something that he, uh, you know, we sin and then he atones for our sins afterwards. He anticipated all of our sins and he took the sin of the entire human race into his physical body and salvation is a done deal. You don't need to say, oh God, would you forgive me of my sins? No. You have to believe that he has already paid for it and just believe that he has forgiven you. See, by grace, God has forgiven the sins of the whole world. I know that this is a new wrinkle in some people's brains and they are just sitting there thinking, no, no, you have to go and you have to confess all of your sins. Did you know that there's only one time in the New Testament that it instructs you to confess your sins? 1 John 1, 9, and that is not for the purpose of salvation. If you read it in context, I just quoted that verse out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He says, He is the propitiation for our sins. In verse 1, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In the context, that is talking to Christians about confessing their sins. And I'm not going to get into that. That's a separate issue. But you do not have to confess your sins for the purpose of salvation. In Acts chapter 16, you can read about the Philippian jailer. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul did not tell them, well, confess your sins and ask Jesus to forgive your sins. He didn't say that. He said, just believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved in your house. Believe what? Believe that Jesus has already paid for your sins. It's already a done deal. Now, people may not express things exactly the way I've expressed it in the last few minutes, but did you know that as a whole, the body of Christ understands that Jesus already paid for our sins, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they preach that you can just reach out and take salvation because it's already been provided. Now, they may not express it exactly the way I did, but the, by and large, they believe that salvation is an accomplished thing, and if you believe, you receive, and if you doubt, you do without. It is not a matter of you petitioning God and then God doing something. It's already done. He's already done it. But... When it comes to anything else in the Christian life, if it comes to getting a prayer answered, if it comes to your joy, to your peace, to your prosperity, to your healing, to your deliverance, to all of these things, the average Christian sees that God can do something, but you have to petition Him, you have to live holy, you have to earn it, and then God responds to you with an answer. But that's not the way that you got saved. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That means how did you receive the initial salvation? You didn't ask God to save you. You didn't pray believing that He would come and die for you. You believed it was already done, and you reach out, reached out and took it. 
That's the way that you got saved. Well, that's the way that you're supposed to receive everything else. That's the way that you're supposed to be healed. You need to believe that by His stripes you were healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. And you need to reach out and just say, Father, I know you've already done it. You've already supplied it. I am not trying to do something to get you to heal me. You've already done it. Now I reach out and take it. I take my authority. And you take the things that God has given you, like Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And so you say, in the name of Jesus, I use the power of my tongue, my power of my words. I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. If I was healed, I am healed. And you stand on it and you start speaking this. You speak to your problem instead of speaking to God about your problem. Mark eleven twenty three. And so see, there's, there's this combination. You can't just take the emphasis and put it on, I've got to live holy. I've got to do these things. And if I'll do this and this and this, then God will do this. No, according to this verse in Ephesians 1, 3, God has already blessed you with all spiritual things. Anything that you need has already been provided. You just have to learn how to receive. Man, that's powerful. You know, let me give an application of this. I was thinking of this when I was driving in today, but we are in the process of building this campus in Woodland Park, and it's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars to establish this campus that's going to facilitate three to 4,000 people on our local campus. But did you know I never pray and say, oh God, I need this. Would you please give me money? Oh God, I, I, you know, I need millions of dollars every month. And it has been decades since I've prayed and asked God for money. And I know that most people right there, there was just a disconnect like, well, if you need this much money and you never pray, and how does it work? I believe that God has already blessed me. I believe that before God even tells me to do something, He has already made a provision for that to come to pass. And so I do pray about finances. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I never ask God like, oh God, we need this, please. A miracle, would you just do something? No, I believe that God has already supplied it. But when I need money right now, we need money. We need to be able to see these things come to pass. What I do is just pray and say, God, I believe you've already supplied it. I believe that you've already spoken to people. Before I even had the need, you had already prospered somebody. You have made the connection. I know that the scripture says, Luke 6, 38, that men will give into your bosom. God's not going to rain money down out of heaven. He's going to use people. And so I believe that God has already provided. God has already spoken. And I, the way I pray is to say, Father, I just want to know, is there something I need to do? Is, do you want me to do something? Do you want me to say anything? Do you, is there whatever? I just pray and say, God, how do I respond in faith to what you've already done? I'm not trying to get God to do something by my faith, but I believe that God has already done it. I'm already blessed with everything I need to carry out God's instructions. And I'm just saying, Father, show me. Is there something I need to do? I'm aware that, you know, you give and it shall be given unto you, Luke 6, 38. And so as we've been in this building process, I've got a number of people who are in building programs, pastors and stuff, and I have sown tens of thousands of dollars 
into their ministry. And I do it because I love them and I want to help them, but I'm also aware that this is a part of the process that I have to sow in order to be able to reap. And so I'll say, Father, is there somebody I need to give to? Is there something I need to sow some seed? And I'll ask God about things like that. The Lord also says that when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and God will repay you. And I'm aware that part of having my needs supply is that I need to be generous with other people. So see, when, I'm, when I need things, I, I don't pray and say, oh God, please give me money. But I'll say, God, I know you're already doing it. If I'm not seeing the manifestation of that, I pray and say, God, is there something you want me to do? And I know that when you give, it's given unto you. So I'll start being generous and I'll give. I'll give to the poor. I'll do things like that. I'll ask and say, God is, you know, the scripture uh, reveals that when you minister unto people, that it's right for you to reap back their uh, carnal, physical, natural things. And so in the past, many times when we have gotten into a financial bind, instead of sending out a letter saying, oh, we're going to have to go off the television or radio if you don't give, what I'll do is just take a teaching and I'll just send it out to thousands of people and just give it to them free. Because I believe, uh, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that my needs are meant proportional to how much I meet the needs of other people. And so I'll give and I'll just start giving, teaching and giving things to people. And did you know, every single time people will be so blessed that they'll just turn around and give. And, and many times I'll send things out and never mention finances, never mention anything, and God just blesses me. So this is the way I pray about money. I don't pray and say, oh God, please supply my need. I know that God, by grace, has already done it, but does, that doesn't mean it's going to work automatically. Is there something I need to do? Do I need to give to the poor? Do I need to sow some seed? Do I need to increase my ministry? Do I need to give more? And these are the ways that I deal with things. This is how I relate grace and faith. I don't just pray and ask God to give me money. I know that God has already supplied all of my need before I even had the need. Okay, so we're now on the east side of the parking garage. Behind me, you can see over here, this shows you how that it adjoins to our uh, auditorium that we've just finished and occupied. Now, all of the pavement on the inside of the parking garage is completely done. Around on the north side over there, you'll be able to drive around and it will go up, it'll slope up, and you'll be able to enter the parking garage on the second level up on the north side. And then if you continue to go around, there will be another entrance that's on the third level. So let's go around and I'll show you the opposite side of this, the third level and where you enter there. Okay, we're now on the third level of the parking garage. I'm standing on the island that separates the in and the out on the third level. This is the west side of our parking garage and they've got it closed up. They've got plastic over all of these windows and they've been heating this so that they can work in here. All of the 150 or so people that are on our phone center, all of our uh, 75 offices in CBC will be able to park on the third and the fourth level and enter there. And then the first and the second floor will be all for the students and they will go directly into the auditorium level. I just want to thank you and say that this is a modern day miracle what God is doing. I believe that God 
is blessing us and praise God, the best is yet to come. Thank you for being a part of it. We'll give you an update in about a month's time. Ministry is about you coming to the end of yourself, your resources, but never losing that heart for people. Just the depth of the teaching that has been presented at the Army conferences, that's a whole nother level. I think we are in the midst of one of the greatest things that God has done. Things are coming down and new things are being birthed. There's new joy, there's new life that is flowing out of them. And we're not going to quit, and we're not going to give up, and we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You are not alone. It's not just you and Jesus. We believe in you, and we're going to stand with you. You came here with some kind of a vision. Now what do you see? I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you, one that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be in Woodland Park, Colorado to host the Army Conference for Ministers with special guests Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Congressman Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. In April, Andrew will be hosting several events at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. First, he'll be hosting the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days with Karis instructors Barry Bennett, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarland, Daniel Bennett, and Lawson Perdue. 
Next, Andrew will be hosting the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem. Lastly, in April, he'll be hosting a special concert with John Tesh and Dave Bell and the Moment Band. In May, he'll be in Louisville, Irving, and Fort Worth, Texas. Also in May, Andrew will be in Telford, England for the annual UK Grace and Faith Conference with special guests Wendell Parr, John Donnelly, Dominic Burns, and Wayne Sheriff. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.